Welcome to The Sleep Sessions. I'm your host, Dara Whitaker. This podcast is a place for women to share their successes and challenges of adapting to life and sleep after a new baby. Whether you're expecting your first or a mother of five, you can listen in weekly to learn, feel supported, and celebrate each other's unique experiences. Today's episode is brought to you by Sam Rogers at Northwestern Mutual. As someone with a baby at home and a husband who travels for work, having a life insurance policy has helped to bring me some peace of mind. To learn more, visit samrogers.nm.com. Again, that's samrogers.nm.com. Hey, Dara. I'm so excited to turn the tables on you today and uh, hear your story. We've all been waiting, so <laughs> should we jump right in? Sure. Thank you, Hannah. I'm really excited, and it's weird. I'm actually very nervous for this. So now I know how it feels to be in the hot seat. Well, don't be nervous. I can tell you it will all go fine. <laughs> Thank you. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and about your family? Sure. So I live in the Minneapolis area with my husband, Jimmy, our almost one-year-old daughter, Winnie, and our Australian shepherd, River. Uh, my husband and I met in New York City about 10 years ago, and we got married in 2015. So Winnie is almost one. Is there anything you want to tell us about, you know, her being born or your journey to having your first child? Yes. So just a little background about my story. I was never really one of those women who dreamed and hoped of becoming a mom one day. I knew I wanted to have kids, but it was never something that was very top of mind. Um, but my husband and I eventually decided that it was time to start trying to have a baby so we started in February of 2018, and crazy enough, we got we got pregnant right on our first try, but then it ended up being a miscarriage, um, which was really confusing and really scary. And I, you know, no one really. I feel like I don't know. Maybe some people that you know talk about it, but I I never felt like I'd heard anyone openly talk about miscarriages before, um, and I was really shocked to find out that you know, when I went to my doctor, he told me that over 50% of all pregnancies result in a miscarriage. Isn't that amazing? I think it's so incredible how many women, including myself, who have been there, but you're right. We don't talk about it. And if you have the situation or the right timing that you find someone else in your life who's been there, it can be so um, comforting. Yeah, it is. It's really nice to hear other people's experiences. And now that I've started talking about it with friends and family, I'm learning that so many other people have had it like that I know, and I just had no idea. But that really made me even more determined to have a baby. So we took a couple of months off just for like a mental break. And then we tried again. And that next time we got pregnant right away again. Again, go ahead. that one ended in miscarriage. So it was kind of crazy and you realize that when you are told that you can't have something you want it even more so my the, the fuel to the fire was there and i was going to do everything i could to get pregnant so i went to my doctor we talked th we talked through some of the different options um, and he prescribed me a medication called crinone which is just basically it's a progesterone supplement so i started taking that crinone the next month, um, right after I ovulated, and it worked like a charm, and I was pregnant with what would later turn out to be our daughter, Winnie. Oh, how wonderful. 
I love that you stayed so positive and instead of getting down, I mean, I know I'm sure there were days that were not feeling positive, but I feel like your mindset has a huge impact too. Yeah, it was definitely hard. Like there were definitely some harder times and the timing of my miscarriages were actually very, very unfortunate. Um, I won't go into that. It's like a whole other thing, but we got through it. And my pregnancy was pretty textbook. I studied the Bradley method um, prior to giving birth. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's basically just, it's a, it's a program for how to have a natural birth. Um, I wasn't completely dead set on having a natural birth um, or an unmedicated birth, but I just kind of wanted to know what I had to do to cope with the contractions because I wanted to be able to labor at home for as long as possible. Um, my due date ended up coming and going. Um, <laughs> and then I, my doctor was like, okay, you know, we're really not interested in letting you go past 10 days after your due date. So they scheduled me for an induction, which was pretty much the opposite of what I wanted. So that was really scary for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I luckily started going into um into labor naturally um, the day, the morning before I was supposed to be induced. So I started uh, having contractions at 3 a.m. the day before I was supposed to get induced because they induce you at night. That's Um, amazing. Yeah. So I was really happy. I remember the night before I started going into labor, I was just like sitting on my kitchen floor, hysterically crying, just being like, I just want this to happen. And I think (laughs) that that release almost just told my body, like, it's okay, you can do this. Have you ever heard that they say uh, that one of the few, one of the wives tales to put yourself into labor is to get on your hands and knees and clean the kitchen floor? Really? So maybe that was your (laughs) version. Your tears were cleaning the kitchen floor and it got everything going. Yeah, maybe. That's really funny. I haven't heard that before. (laughs) So Um, you went into labor and, and what happened next? So I, um, right away, the contractions were pretty close together. They were like eight or 10 minutes apart. And so that morning I went for a long walk. Um, they were pretty painful right away. Um, and then they started getting a lot closer. So after about 10 hours at home, I think they were maybe like six minutes apart, but they were like excruciatingly painful. Um, so I went into the hospital and turned out I was only dilated to a one. Oh my gosh. I which was, that was huge, discouraging. Yeah. It was a huge letdown. Um, so they sent me home. They wouldn't admit me. Oh. Even after I walked the halls at the hospital for an hour, they wouldn't let me stay. So we went home and I labored at home for another 10 hours. Oh my gosh. So I kind of got my wish of wanting to labor at home for a long time. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Silver lining. Yeah, but it wasn't ideal because I had full on back labor, Mm. which if anyone has had back labor, I feel your pain. It is the worst. Um, And the contractions were right on top of each other. You know how they say, well, in the Bradley Method book, they say like between every contraction, your body gives you a rest so that you can prepare for the next one. Well, I wasn't getting that rest. It was Mm. just like one right after the other, after the other. And so I was basically in my bed on my hands and knees, like with my head into a pillow, just making the weirdest. (laughs) (laughs) What was your husband doing for you at this time? Was he helpful? Did you feel like he was in the way? Did you, you know, 
how was that? Yeah. So he was amazing. Um, he was my champion. Like I couldn't even keep my eyes open. I couldn't talk or anything. And he was just doing counter pressure on my back and timing my contractions. And at one point I looked at him and I was just like, I'm going to die. Like we have to go to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) And did you go? We did. Finally, he was like, okay, we can go. I think they were about like two, two minutes or, you know, one and a half minutes apart between like the big contractions. And then there was like a smaller one in between. Um, So we got to the hospital and they checked me and I was only dilated to a three. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So back labor is typically unproductive. So that's kind of why it was taking so long to progress. Mm. Um, And so they're checking me and they're like, okay, so you want the epidural, right? And I was like, no, I don't. And they were like, okay, it's inevitable that you get the epidural. Like you're only at a three. And I was like, I don't want it. So they brought me up to the room and they started doing, I I wanted to do hydrotherapy. Mm -hmm. So they started drawing me a bath and I got in the bath for approximately 20 seconds. And then I turned to my nurse and I was like, epidural right now. (laughs) (laughs) Please save me. (laughs) But I ended up, you know, after the epidural, I got so much more comfortable, but I still wasn't progressing. And so they ended up putting me on Pitocin. I basically got induced anyway. So that went out the window. Um, (laughs) And then after about 20 hours on Pitocin, I finally dilated to a 10 and I pushed for 20 minutes and our daughter was born. Oh, well, there was your payback. It was quick. <laughs> it was quick after things were ready to go. She just wasn't quite ready yet. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was, you know, pushing for me was the easy part. But um, once she was born, like everything I read and learned before giving birth was that breastfeeding was the way to go. Um, so I, I took a couple classes and I really wanted to try my best to do it. I've heard a lot of moms say that when their babies first come out, they just like crawl right up or pull themselves up and latch right on. And it's amazing. And it's this incredible experience. That was not how it was for me. Winnie just did not seem hungry at all. Um, and then after about 15 minutes, I asked the nurse if I should start trying to to breastfeed her. And I tried and immediately it was like the most painful thing ever. Her latch was really, really tight. And I had a very uh, strong milk supply. So I was basically exploding. And so I started pumping in the hospital right away, basically, and feeding her through. I don't know if you've ever seen like almost a syringe, but it has like a little tiny tube that you put in the baby's mouth and you feed them through that. So that's what I was primarily feeding her through in between trying to nurse. And I had to do that just because it was like so painful for me that I couldn't do it all the time. Hmm. Something interesting that I learned this second time um, was that the baby really doesn't need you for the first 24 hours. So that's kind of, you know, we always have this perception that they should feed right away and that it should, you know, it should just be, you should go off into the sunset breastfeeding together. But there, I, I didn't know this, but the first 24 hours, the baby really doesn't need much from you at all. That's which really I interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, because I, I kind of struggled with recovery for my C-sections and they would always assure me like, it's okay. He doesn't need you yet. We'll get him Hmm. when he does. So interesting. I'll keep that in the back of my mind. Yes. 
So now Winnie is with us. And can you tell us a little bit about your first few weeks at home? Sure. We didn't know that Winnie was a girl until she was born. And I think that may have impacted my ability to bond with her right away. I was never able to have that like vision of her in my head before she arrived. So I didn't really, I wasn't really prepared mentally. Um, I loved her obviously, but the bond didn't really click for a while. I don't think I was depressed, but it was just a more of like a matter of the fact kind of thing where I needed to take some time to really get to know her before I could be like that head over heels in love feeling. I don't know if that makes sense. It a hundred percent makes sense. I felt the same way. I mean, you have this vision, like the clouds are going to part and they're going to put this angel baby in your hand, arms and, and they do, but it's not someone, you know, and I didn't know that my kids were what gender they were either. So you have to wrap your head around what you've just been given at the same time. Yeah. It takes a little bit of time. And I think that's, I don't know, in my mind, I think that's kind of rational because, you know, you don't immediately love someone you just meet for the first time. I don't know. It's all just very, it was, I loved her. Like she was my baby, but it just took me a minute to process it. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that's fair. So where was Winnie sleeping when you got home? So when we first got home, she was sleeping in her bassinet next to, next to me, um, next to my bed. And I was still trying to nurse. So that just really made sense for us. One thing I want to mention here is that having her next to me at night was really tough. I don't know if this is a thing that a lot of moms experience, but I would sweat like crazy when she was next to me. Like it was so disgusting. Um, And so that was really hard. And then nursing wasn't going well for us still. Her latch was all messed up still. She didn't have a tongue tie. Um, They thought she did at first in the hospital, but it ended up not being the case. I don't know what the issue was, but my nipples would bleed. And even with a shield, it was still not working. Um, And I also found the shield to be highly, highly annoying. And I don't know if you used a shield, but I would lose it all the time in the middle of the night. Like it would just fall off. And it was so frustrating because I would have to like search all over the bed in the dark, trying not to like you know, my husband was already awake, but just trying not to like make a commotion, trying to keep the baby calm. Um, So someone needs to invent a glow in the dark nipple shield. That's like my, (laughs) I would, if someone has that idea and wants to do it, let me know because I will support you. (laughs) That is genius. I know it needs to be done. I wonder if they exist. I haven't really looked into it too deeply, but um, (laughs) yeah, but the first couple of weeks were really great for us. She she was a pretty good sleeper from the start. She'd wake up every like four or five hours to eat at night. And then she kind of went right back to sleep. Just like a first baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like we got very lucky with her um, with the nighttime sleep. I'll talk about daytime sleep, but nighttime sleep is good for us. That's great. Yeah. And then around three weeks, I decided I'd had enough of trying to nurse and I switched to exclusively pumping. And around the same time, we also moved her into a crib in her room. Um, and it was so bizarre. I stopped sweating that first night. She didn't sleep in our room. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I started sleeping much better. But then I eventually, um, I ran into some issues with pumping too. Like I said earlier, my supply was really strong. And I, 
you know, after a while, Winnie started not being able to sleep really well and she was fussy. She had horrible rash and it ended up being because I have um, an oversupply, which causes in some cases an imbalance um, between the like fatty nutrient rich milk um, that babies need and then the four milk, which is like more watery. So it's like whole milk compared to skim milk. Oh. Um, and so she was primarily getting just the like skim milk. And so that wasn't really giving her what she needed. And so I eventually just switched to um, formula out of desperation. One day I just grabbed a sample of Enfamil that was in the, um, in the closet and I gave it to her and everything was solved from that point. Um, really? Yeah. And honestly, I know a lot of people put a lot of stress on themselves and a lot of pressure about breastfeeding and pumping and breast is best. And, you know, breast milk is the best thing for your baby. I have zero regrets about switching to formula. Um, It was all consuming while I was trying to nurse and trying to make pumping work. And then the second I switched, I never looked back. Did you feel, I, I can relate to that and totally understand what you're saying, but in the moment, did you have a hard time with switching? Did you have guilt? I think I had worse guilt when I switched from nursing to pumping. Okay. I really wanted nursing breastfeeding to work. Um, I took a bunch of classes. I did the whole day, whole, the whole thing and it just didn't work. And that was a lot harder for me than switching from pumping to formula. I don't know why. I think I, I think it was easier because I was like, okay, I'm not able to provide what my baby needs to be healthy. I, I was kind of, it was bizarre. I was kind of able to like take myself out of it and just focus on, okay, this is what my baby needs. Isn't that the definition of becoming a mom? (laughs) Yeah. I had to like put myself aside and just say, okay, what do I have to do here to make her happy? Um, And I ended up being formula. Well, there you go. So tell me a little bit about uh, the next six months with Winnie. Were there challenges, successes, anything like that? Sure. Nighttime, like I said, was easy for us. We were really lucky with that. She slept through the night by the time she was 11 weeks. And I attribute that to um, the moms on call evening routine and their schedule. Daytime was where we had a lot of our challenges. So after the first like three or four weeks sleepy period that babies have, I could not get her to sleep for more than 45 minutes at a time. Um, oh my gosh. This was, I think this is where like my darkest days were. Um, as you can imagine, like you're just, all you want to do is have your baby sleep longer than 45 minutes. And so I was completely obsessed with it. I was consumed by trying to figure out how to make her sleep longer. And here I had like tons of friends telling me like, oh, you know, you just put them in their crib awake and then they sleep for two hours. Don't let them sleep for longer than two hours. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I would kill to have an hour nap, (laughs) like let alone two hours. Um, So there was a lot of crying during this time from me and from her Um, around this time was also when my husband, he he travels for work. So around this time, probably like, I don't know, 
five five ish weeks is when he started traveling a lot more again. Um, he traveled for the first time when when he was two weeks old, which was crazy. Um, wow! But five weeks old, he really started traveling more. And even though, like, you could think of it as being stressful, I kind of embraced it as an opportunity to really connect with her and get to know her a little bit more and figure each other out. And I think that this helped us to build our bond a little bit more since we didn't have one really established right away. So that was kind of nice, but it was really stressful. It was a stressful time. I was basically in nap jail. I had a pad of paper where I was like writing down, okay, she woke up at 1245. So now, you know, her next nap is I have to put her down at 1.30. And it was just like, it was very stressful. I was obsessed with wake times. I was obsessed with how much she was eating. She wouldn't sleep for longer than 45 minutes in her crib. So I, out of desperation, started using a swing. Um, and in the swing, she actually would nap for like maybe an hour and a half max. Um, so if I was really desperate to get something done, I would put her in the swing. Like if I had to clean bottles or, you know, take my dog out or something, um, that's what I would do. But, but yeah, it was really hard. And then my maternity leave, I took 16 weeks, which was a really good amount of time. That's really nice. Yeah, it was. I was really grateful to have that time with her to kind of like figure things out. We found a nanny um, that we thought was great. And then when push came to shove and I went back to work, it was immediately I just knew it was not where I wanted to be. I wanted to be home. I had one of, I know that you never had like even a video baby monitor, right? Right. We didn't. So I had one of those ones that like is connected to Wi-Fi, So I could see the watcher. Yeah. So I could see her. So I'd be like sitting at my desk at work and I knew, okay, she, she has to go down for a nap at like, you know, 9am. And if she wasn't in her crib at 9am, I would start freaking out. Yeah, you wanted to be able to control even though you weren't there. Yeah, and I shouldn't have done that. And I, I'm i never going to get one of those Wi-Fi monitors again <laughs> for that reason. Because <laughs> it drove me completely insane. So at the end of the day, I made the ultimate decision to leave my job. And it was really tough. I've always been a hard worker. I've always been someone who had a job. And for me, I never never anticipated wanting to stay home with my baby, but I had to make the decision and it was the right move for me. That's so true. I I had a question for you with the napping. Um, Do you think, did her napping, her daytime nap length change when you got exclusively on formula? Do you think some of it had to do with her being hungry? That's a great question. No. (laughs) 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 no it didn't it affected her nighttime sleep for sure okay but it did not impact her daytime sleep and I later learned that there's this thing called the 45 minute intruder oh and because the sleep cycle for babies range it's usually around like 45 to 50 minutes Mm -hmm. and you know usually a baby is able to 
kind of like stir at that 45, 50 minute mark and then put themselves back to sleep. But that was not possible for Winnie. She would wake up on the dot 45 minutes every single time and be up for the, you know, for the remainder of the time. She, she did not know how to put herself back to sleep. Little stinker. Mm -hmm. And that didn't change until she was about six months old. (laughs) Did she get to a place or was the switch that she could just kind of be in her crib by herself or did she start just taking better naps? Well, what happens, I did so much research into this. So if anyone has any questions, because this is very common. A lot of people have this scenario. Um, What happens is around the five or six month mark, sleep naturally consolidates for babies. So that means those sleep cycles merge together where they don't wake up at that 45 minute mark. They just continue sleeping. Um, So a combination of sleep consolidating and then dropping to two naps. That is what helped her lengthen out those naps. That's really interesting. And I know exactly what you're talking about with the 45 minute stir. And I think that that happens a lot at night with new babies too. And you have to kind of, if they're next to you in the bassinet, your in your immediate instinct is to grab them, but you have to wait a minute and see if, they're going to work it out. Yeah. And that's what I ended up doing. I started doing this thing called crib hour, which I learned. Um, there's an awesome Facebook group. It's called respectful sleep training and learning. Um, anyone can join it and they have amazing files. They call them where it's all just like really helpful resources that you can read through and kind of self-educate. Um, they have one called crib hour and crib hour is basically where you put the baby in their crib And then they fall asleep. And then from that point when they fall asleep, you leave them in the crib for a full hour after that. So um, regardless of if they wake up or, you know, or what. And um, so I started doing that and she would cry and I would, you know, I would do the soothing things. I think we were doing, you know, going in and just kind of patting her every, every, I don't know what it was, maybe 10 minutes or so. Um, just to kind of settle her down, but I never picked her up. And I think that helped too. Sometimes she was able to fall back asleep on her own. Sometimes it just didn't work. And then I just kind of got her up, but, um, but I think it did help occasionally. Yeah. Very interesting. I think every baby comes with their different challenges and you can never guess from day one what they're going to be. I know. I know. It's definitely a learning curve. And even when you feel like you've totally mastered something and you're like, I've done it. It's perfect. Her schedule is nailed. It changes the next week and you're just like, okay, I'm back to square one. (laughs) Exactly. Once again, remember it's a baby, not a robot. (laughs) Yes. I love that. I love that. Yes. So from six months to one year with Winnie, what changed? How have things been? Well, the biggest change was that she finally started taking longer naps. So it was great. Um, Hallelujah. Yeah. (laughs) For real. Um, She's on two naps still. And that's really changed my life. I think just being able to have that schedule that I can count on. Um, Like right now, she takes her first nap around 945. She'll sleep till like 1115. And then she goes down for her next nap at like 230. And she'll sleep till four. And then she'll go to bed at around eight. Um, So 
it's good to have that because I know that I can make plans. Whereas before, I mean, if someone made a plan with me to like even go for a walk or if I tried to go to a mommy and me class, I ended up canceling half the time because Winnie like either was about to go down for a nap or finally was like sleeping or, you know, I needed to feed her. It was just all very up in the, up in the air. And I'm one of those people who kind of thrives on a schedule and a routine and it just was maddening for me. So I think around like six, seven months is really when I started to relax into my role and just appreciate my time with her. And it's just been so much fun since then. And I've just been spending a lot of time lately reflecting on, on our journey, um, she's doing amazing. She's so happy. She's just a spunky little girl. Um, She's walking and it's really fun watching her develop and explore things. She's very curious and independent. So we'll see how that goes when she gets older, (laughs) but, (laughs) but she's, she's awesome. So wonderful. So did having a baby impact any of your, the relationships in your life, like with your husband or your family or friends? So I think early on with my husband, so let me just start off by saying I mentioned this about my birth story, how he was like my champion, and that rang true into like our postpartum journey. He was actually the one who really encouraged me to like think about stopping nursing. He saw how it was impacting me mentally um, and physically. And he was the one who sat me down and was like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. I see how much of a struggle this is for you. He's like, I don't even know how people do this if it's like this for them. And he was like, it's fine. Let's just try something else. And so that encouragement was really nice. I think he just was, because when you're a mom and you're the one who's doing it, you're just all consumed by it. You're just in it. And to have him, I mean, he was obviously in it too. He's her father, but I think it was nice to have that perspective where he was like, it's okay. You can do whatever you want. Um, So I think that was really nice. He also, his dad instinct was spot on with a lot of things like that. Um, Another one was in the early days, he really encouraged me to get out of the house. I mean, we went for happy hour with, with Winnie, I think two or three days after coming home, which is kind of crazy. People were like, what are you doing out with this newborn? Um, but it was really important for me mentally to just get out and get some fresh air and and see other people. And I think that really helped. But overall, I don't think that our relationship was really impacted that much, if that sounds weird. But it really wasn't. We've always kind of been on the same page about things. And we understand how each other operates. And so we kind of just figured it all out together. I will say having a baby has really brought me a lot closer to my family and Jimmy's family. Um, I now have a new appreciation for what my mom did for me. We also spent two weeks together before when he was born, which I think was the longest time we've ever spent together since I was in high school. So that was kind of fun. Um, And just having Winnie, it's brought me so much closer to all of the moms in my life, my stepmom, my mother-in-law, um, my sister-in-laws. So that's been really great. And I think it just gives us all a deeper level to connect on. And I just, it's amazing to see our families just light up over this little girl. 
Well, do you have anything else you'd like to share with us? Any resources or favorite items that um, changed everything for you for being a mom? I mentioned Moms on Call, so that was really great for us. I also mentioned the Facebook group, Respectful Sleep Training slash Learning. Um, Taking care of babies was something that I looked at a lot, too. I never bought her course, but if you follow her on Instagram, she gives great tips all the time. And then I also read the book Baby Wise. I didn't really find one method that worked for us completely. I think that was due to Winnie's nap situation. Um, So I kind of had to, like, look at a bunch of different sources. So I kind of did my own research and made things up as I went along. Um, and understanding wake times was a game changer for us. But overall, I think my biggest advice is to trust your gut. Try different things until something works. It's hard to have a newborn. Um, I was really hard on myself early on, and I regret it now. I wish I was a little bit more flexible um, so I could have enjoyed my time a little bit more. But um, we made it through, and now I find myself looking around just being like, okay, where did my baby go? Thanks so much for listening in. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at, at the sleep sessions.